You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I am Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at WheelsUpInCLE. Joined, as I always am, by Andrew Hedinger, who you can find on social media at Andrew Runs a Lot. Whoops. Oh, shit. I just muted you. Unmute. <laughs> I don't know what got <laughs> muted there. I did that on accident. Whoops. I was I was cracking open a beer and I was like, I don't want to interrupt him. We are 30 seconds in and my co-host has already <laughs> muted me. Yes. Uh, so you can find us at Rust Belt Running on social media since I, uh, you heard me crack open a beer while Adam was trying to say that. That's my bad. Um, oh, I love <laughs> So we, uh, if, you were, if you've been listening to us for the last nine months, you know that when lockdown first occurred back last March, we started to have some of our more regular listeners on to the show, really just with these short little segments we called Staying Sane, just talking to people about how they were handling the, the weird new normal where people were working from home, they couldn't go to work. And one of the first people, actually, I think it was the first person the we first, had on yeah. then was uh, Andrea Sanchez. And we had her on again today for part of a longer episode, just talking about where things are at, you know, nine months later. It's a great conversation. The last eight minutes uh, by themselves are worth a listen. It is. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think that we had ever talked about penises before on this podcast and <laughs> let alone here, we have a female guest and for the first time, um, the word penis is mentioned on our podcast. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that's a tease right there. What what I love is that my one solo contribution to this podcast social media presence is my weekly This Week's Show Without Context. And, and I already posted it. Um, I couldn't find a gif of it. So I had to go and find a picture. And uh, all I wrote was This Week's Show Without Context. If you know, you know. And I don't know, Andrew, if you would understand the movie, if you know the movie reference or not. But apparently... <laughs> Andrea did because she's already she's already responded with a, a laughing emoji. Varsity <laughs> Blues. That's all I'm gonna say. That's the only only hint I'm gonna offer. Oh my god, it was fun. It was. It was fun. Uh, yeah, she brought a lot of good a lot of good things. You know, we talked about how she uh, you know, kind of got through 2020 a little yeah. bit, and you know what what it's like with the uncertainty of you know 2021 with the kind of wondering when it's going to feel a little more normal this year. Um, but, you know, she's, she's also a, a mother of three. She uh, is teaching 
remotely. She has one kid learning remotely. I mean, she's going through a lot, but she's yeah. she's taken a lot away from the last uh, the last nine ten months as well, and will continue to. And I, I think she has a very good outlook on it from a personal and from a running perspective. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed our time with her. I liked, I liked what she had to say about running because you and I talk about how we're both very race centric people. And I think sometimes we, I don't want to say if we struggle to see perspectives that aren't race centric, but it, it's what fuels us. And so hearing from her and her talking about, she does talk about wanting to race, but she also talked about um, just some of the consistency she's tried to find with running and how it isn't necessarily about racing, although it's a byproduct of it. Um, but it, it's she gets into why she wants to be as consistent as she is. And I really appreciated that perspective. Hi, Hayes. Some, what's up? My son is in here. There's video now. Yeah. Hi, Hayes. You, you going to bed? Mm -hmm. Okay. I love you. Love you. All right. Well. We are off to a rip roaring start here in this first four minutes with an uh, interruption by him and uh, me muting you. Uh, Before we dig in the funnier or into a more serious stuff, I want to ask you what uh, what your favorite Bernie Sanders meme has been from the last week? <laughs> because my uh, lord, has that gotten a life of its own? The um, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That, that was incredible. I, uh, I actually had made just the photo of him, my cover photo on Facebook within about five minutes of seeing it on TV. Cause I just thought it was so Bernie and I was like, yes. this is incredible. So I had immediately done it and then it became this meme and, uh, and yeah, but my, uh, Oh, my favorite one. It's got to be Flavortown for sure. <laughs> Guy Fieri. His was just awesome. Uh, yeah, I. Oh, yeah, the the Guy Fieri one that that was the best. I thought that was like the most poignant of all of them, too. But it was also just tremendous bad Photoshop. You've seen you saw that one, right? I saw that one. Okay. Um, I'm trying. So uh, I, I'm a I'm a big nerd. Um, I love Harry Potter. So one of the Harry Potter ones was a good one. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and Mark Hamill has been sharing photoshops all over of Bernie Sanders photoshopped into different Star Wars scenes. Um, <laughs> him when Darth Vader's telling him that he's his father. Um, there's another one that's just it's so on point. It's um, there's a scene in the third Star Wars movie where. Uh, Mark Hamill's character levitates a droid and he photoshopped or somebody photoshopped Bernie into that place. And the caption is Bernie, tell them if you don't raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, you'll become angry and use your magic, which is right <laughs> out of the movie. So I, I just love that it keeps getting this life of its own. Like it works for any occasion. It works anywhere. I, and it's fun because it's uh, like both sides can have fun with it. I was just um, thinking like Bernie Sanders, even though his ideas are ideas that are very much something the right would not embrace. I don't feel like Bernie Sanders necessarily takes on the sort of hatred that other politicians get. And you're right. Like either side can have fun with it. I, I do think he's well-respected for yeah. sticking to his guns for, yeah, you know, the what 30 years he's been in office. I mean, he's been, 
he has been who he is right since day one same message and uh yeah i i think that can be appreciated and uh i think it's just known that he cares about his constituents and his people and that's why you know i mean he he got somebody like me to move over from you know further right because i just really believed in what he believes in but let's not do the political thing now we're we're good it was That's an good. Un, it was an uneventful uh week which we had God. we we weren't sure about. when we recorded last week what was going to be taking place so um i was wrong it is not president kamala harris right now it is, it is still <laughs> president joe biden so we'll we'll thank our lucky stars for that one um but so well i mean i don't think we're going to get too too serious today you, nah, you said so. you said you had a, a grind your gears you wanted to get into i think we both kind of do um mine's do. not too heavy so I i'll do. let you go first well you know i late late last week and even into the weekend especially on the weekend really kind of perfectly sort of tied into what we had talked about last week about that that's sort of like not knowing when true normalcy is going to resume and um, I had, I had just, I had a day on Saturday where I was as low as, as I've been just, for, you know, for no specific reason, I was just really, really low. And I, I think one of the things that kind of pushed me over the edge a little bit was, um, you know, ever since, ever since the holidays ended, work has been getting busier, which I'm grateful for, you know, that's how I, that's how I pay my bills. Um, but there, there's definitely, I, I think, I think you and I've talked about, I don't know if we talked about it on air, but we've talked about how like the calendar flipped and there was sort of this collective almost exhale and people have started to kind of return to some normalcy, even if conditions aren't necessarily fully allowing that. And so I, I went down the rabbit hole of looking at Ohio's uh, vaccination protocols, their schedule, because we're now onto the phase one B. Like my dad today is a 75 year old um, qualifies to start registering to try to get his vaccine. And so I started going down the rabbit hole and looking at like what's coming next and, and some language with phase two, which is the next phase caught me. And this is what kind of just got me super frustrated. Phase two um, talks about how the vaccine is gonna be opened up to a more broad category. And the, the specific category that they list is people at higher risk for exposure. And immediately some alarm bells went off in my head because I hold one of the few jobs where the people that I work with constantly, not my coworkers, but the people I'm taking care of mm -hmm. can adhere to the most standard of most basic of protocols. You can't eat or drink food. You can't eat food, drink without, you know, with having a mask on. So I constantly take care of people that don't have masks, And that's the accepted. We accept that that's going to happen. And, um, I've had coworkers get COVID, but as far as we can tell, nobody's gotten it from, uh, from working. It's all been like family members had it, whatever. But what frustrated me is that as I looked through the protocol and I tried to figure out like, does my, does my workforce fit into that? There's no mention of my workforce. They mention other people that need to get vaccinated, you know, to keep supply chains open. I completely understand all of that. But it just kind of floored me a little bit because it's like, I love my job. I don't want to leave my job. I don't plan on leaving my job. But it's like, as long as this, as this is going on, you've got this one industry that can't fully adhere to safety protocols because of the nature of the industry. And it's just frustrating for me that there's not really clarity about like, I work this job where I can't be fully protected in the way that a lot of other workers can because of what I do. 
and that it doesn't seem at the moment there's consideration for that. And it, it, that was just kind of one of the last things that just kind of, it got me down a little bit. Yeah. And I don't, I, you know, it's like, this is a weird situation because there hasn't been a coordinated federal response. So obviously that's going to change. And we don't know how many doses are going to be out. There's a lot of people in the dark about specifically when doses are going to be available. It's, it's no single person's fault. I'm not right. slamming DeWine or Biden or, or even Trump or any of that. It's just, I was thinking about that. It's like, God, like if you go to a grocery store, Grocery store workers have had to work throughout all this. They were working even when I wasn't working. But the thing about grocery store workers that they have that I don't is they're taking care of a clientele that is able to fully adhere to all the protocols that we're supposed to adhere to to stay safe. And they're, they're listed as they should be. And I just, I guess I found that oversight if it is an oversight to be a little jarring, I guess. That grinds my gears. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't really play any devil's advocate because I, I don't know what the rationale would be. I would say if there is, there, there might be some type of science or explanation behind it that you and I can't think of that we're unqualified right. to, I mean, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not sure what that would be because that doesn't make sense to me right. either. Um, but, and maybe they'll, and maybe they'll expand it. You know, that was a, that was an initial document that was written, but, it's tough because I think like one of the things you and I have complained about when we've had some things to complain about is that there's sometimes been some vagueness about the response and the communication. Mm -hmm. And I wish some of that vagueness wasn't there so that we could answer that question. Uh, I do think though, you did mention one word, uh, well, I guess it's two words, supply chain. Back when they did the initial lockdown, it was all about supply chain. I mean, that was everything, but then every company was like, Oh, we're integral. We're part of the supply chain. Yeah. Work for a copier company. Get the fuck out of here with your <laughs> supply chain. That's the first cuss word on this episode. It's going to be the only one, too. Dang it. We didn't yeah, cuss. We actually, we didn't, we did. I, I tried to keep it clean. I did not realize she had the mouth of a sailor. She is a kindergarten teacher, so she really does a good job of covering that up. She does, and uh, she's never cussed in... Um, you know, conversations I've had with her online. I, yeah. I, so I, I don't know. I was kind of, I was kind of taken back when she said she has the mouth of a sailor, but she still didn't cuss the whole time, even though she knows good and well, she has free reign to. Yeah. Yeah. And she explains why she knows she has free yes. reign to. <laughs> yes. She found out very early on in her RBR <laughs> listening days that, uh, that she, um, would have had free reign to say whatever she wants. So, um, so I have a little bit of a grind my gears. Please, so please, I, please. I had I had posted for our episode last week. I had posted a little teaser on my own personal Instagram, and uh, and I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I, I I got a response to it. And I didn't I didn't love it. Um, I, I understood a, a little bit of what the person was saying, but my tease was if you're like me and are struggling with the idea of training for races after being burned last year, head over to Rust Belt Running. Wheels up in CLE and I talk openly about how it just isn't easy to be or how it isn't easy to just be excited right now. Well, somebody had um, replied to that story and um, I won't give any names, but 
totally dickheaded counterpoint here. That's their words, not mine. Um, if you need a race to motivate you to run, how much do you really love running? So I'm going to give two thoughts to that. Um, one, I was teasing a podcast episode. Um, first one is reread the what I posted. Because I didn't say, are you struggling running? I said training. I specifically said yeah. in the post, training. I mean, if you're struggling with the idea of training for races, that that's, that's what I said. I, I think you and I talked at length about how training and running are just running are different. I mean, especially yeah. for a marathon. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like this person who will basically be in marathon training mode 52 weeks out of the year. I don't understand it. I don't want to do that. I admire that person's work for sure, but that's not every runner. That's not most runners. Yeah. Um, but also listen to the episode because I think it was also pretty clear if you listen to the episode that I had actually talked about how I wanted to get away from that training mindset because of my uncertainty. Right. Just run because I was doing fine running minus being out for a few weeks with uh, with a rolled and sprained ankle. I was doing fine up until it started to hit training mindset. Right. And the uncertainty of training for a race that was taken away from me last year. So I guess what grinds my gears is if you're going to like kind of make a comment like that, make it in content in proper context. And especially if it's for teasing something like an episode to a podcast, listen to it because you don't have all the facts. So, um, I, I don't, I don't know. It just, it, it kind of, kind of, uh, just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, it, it, what's funny about it is that away from, away from that comment, I just been thinking on my own about how I do feel like my relationship with, with running has changed over the last year as I've been kind of away from a training mindset, you know, we talked last year about how I was training to train, but I really did see, especially like during the immediate uncertainty of lockdown and like, what was my financial situation going to look like? And the fear over the early days of the virus, even though I was training to train, I really found that running just kind of served as kind of like a centering point for me. It was, it was that moment I could get away and just unplug from everything, go out on the road and be alone with my thoughts. And I really appreciated it. And I, I did find or maybe rediscover kind of uh, an appreciation for running that was away from training. You and I, though, you know, we are race centric runners. And it's not that I it's not that I can't imagine myself continuing to run of races were never a thing ever again. But it's like when I think about racing, I think about racing almost in the same way that I think about gardening when I've talked about gardening before. I love the entire process of gardening, just like I love the entire process of training. Harvesting the vegetables for me is exactly like what racing is for me with running. It's like the big reward that makes all the other little rewards worth it. And it isn't that I don't appreciate those little rewards. It's just that I get to experience all of them en route to this really big reward that's there kind of at the end. And 
there's nothing wrong with that being the way that you center right. your running. If, you know, if there's people that, you know, like you said, the, the person that said this is somebody who is, is the elite of the elites of like the weekend warriors um, is constantly in training mode. And, you know, without this person here to like add their context, I don't want to put any words in their mouth. Right. If it's somebody who, you know, really just has that, that true internal drive to run and racing is just kind of a byproduct of what they do then, Hey, that's, that's great. That's not a mindset that I particularly would be good at identifying with. Cause that's not how I kind of center my training, but if that works for them, that's great. It's, it wouldn't work for me, but right. it's like you said, it's kind of like the people that <laughs> it's kind of like the people that read the headline of a story right? and make a comment. And then the writer's like, dude, can you please just read the story? Like I expand on what the headlines. I don't, usually it's like the editor writes the headline and the, the author had no, had no control over it anyway. Um, so yeah, yeah. It was just one of those, like, I like you when you sent that to me, it was like, eh. well, and, and it's like, um, what I've been running for seven or eight years now. Yeah. And it started when I was training for the Cleveland marathon. Yeah. <laughs> And then I ran Columbus. Yep. But like my, my whole calendar has always been, all right, January training begins. Yeah. And I go into May. And then it's kind of a little bit of a wind down in June. And then ramp up for a 4th of July race and then propel yep. that into fall race training. And then kind of bring it down. I have a half marathon and then a turkey trot. And I usually take December pretty much off. Just right. as a recovery from 11 months of a lot of running. Yeah. And then the next year do the whole thing. I don't know any other way. Yeah. Like that that is what my running has always been based off of. And yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I enjoy that and I have loved that for a long time. That's why my metal wall has what it has. Right. Like it, it's because I love that we're back to video because I can just do that. Yeah, I need um, a background. But uh I'll work on that. You know, it's like I it, it's that's what it is because I just enjoy, I enjoy all of that process. Right. Um, and you know, last year was different because I was at a place where I was enjoying running without the promise of any medals or any experience like that. Um, and then as soon as, as soon as one of those big ass freaking walnut things found my, found the bottom of my foot, um, things changed. Uh, but then it was really, things really changed when we got to training mindset and I just couldn't put, I couldn't get myself there. And that's right. what we talked about. So yeah. Yeah. Read the article before you comment on the headline. I think it has to be a little bit like, like remember when Ohio state was practicing and then all of a sudden they get the news that like, Hey, season's canceled, but they mm -hmm. continue to practice. Like that had to be so weird for those guys. Right to be going through practice, like knowing like, yeah, we're really going to try to have a season, you know, obviously some other conferences are doing it, but we don't really know what's going to happen. And just how weird that had to be. Like, even for guys who it's their, like, it's essentially their job. They're there to prepare themselves to go professional. It had to be so freaking weird to be doing that, not really knowing if there was a season there for them. And it's like, do they love football? Sure. Of course they do. But they just like us, probably going back to the time when they really started picking up the sport, you know, easily back to high school, like it transitioned into you train for a season to get ready for the next level. And it's like, when that's what you've centered yourself around. Yeah. It's really hard to, 
to deal with it when you really don't know like is it coming like is there that is there that thing you typically drive towards is it there at the end that's actually a perfect analogy i just I mean, came up with that yeah that, that really that that was that was great it's it, and it's all rooted around the uncertainty of this pandemic yeah i mean that's that's the thing it's not it's something that is completely out of your control and my control. I mean, apart from what we can do individually to yeah. help protect ourselves and, you know, follow guidelines, you know, it's out of our control. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so different. And uh, so we're all kind of learning how to cope with this. You know, we, we, we coped, we learned together how to get through lockdown. We've learned how to get through this, like, kind of half lockdown over the, you know, since probably what June or July. Um, we, we've kind of all made it to this point together and it kind of feels normal because we've just kind of gotten used to this, but we right. have done it together and we've coped together, but now we're coming into a new phase of it where it's like, we're getting there. Oh my gosh. No. We're so close, but we I don't know. really know how close we are. You know, like I said, last week, it's like the, when you see the downtown where you know the finish line is at mile 22 or 23 of a race, it feels so far away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all different. We're all learning how to do it together. And, uh, but we'll, we'll get there. That's a real downer to bring Andrea in. I don't think it's a downer. I, I think no. there's hope in it. I, I think it's just, I, I think the hope I, you know, kind of want to give, and I think we wanted to give last week is a little bit of this, like, it's okay to not be okay. Right. Like it's okay to feel that uncertainty right now. Um, you know, you and I, I, I think one thing we've always strived to do and be is kind of open and honest, not kind of, um, is to be open yeah. and honest, you know, with, with each other. And, you know, when we have these conversations, uh, just like we, we talked about when we got off air last week that, you know, we felt, or I feel like a lot of running podcasts don't do this. They, you know, it's like, it's like flipping on NPR and just listening to people talk about training exercises. And, <laughs> and today we're going to do, um, we're going to talk about different mobility and how important mobility exercises. I mean, well, at some point you and I will get back to that. We won't sound that morose about it but uh <laughs> well we'll get back to that type of stuff but you know we, we we offer i feel something different and that that was just part of it you know this is all part of it going through this together and being right. honest about how we feel and how we're coping because this shit sucks yeah it still sucks yeah it's like it's better but it still sucks and you know we, we talk about it um andrea talks about it about you know just we asked towards the end about just some of the things that she's going to pull out of this whole experience that are positive. And, and I think, you know, she talks about, I won't steal any of her thunder, but I think both you and I would agree too. Like we've, we've largely avoided the worst of what could have happened so far. Yeah. And, and there's a whole lot there to be thankful, but it doesn't mean that the situation doesn't suck though. Like there's friends that I haven't seen now for nine months. You know, there's, you know, I was doing more things back in the fall. I wasn't doing a lot, but I was a little more social in the fall, but I've pretty much locked things down since probably early October. Um, my mom got really sick, she was usually sick for a couple of months and she's fine now, but 
you know, with her being sick, I didn't want to introduce any, anything that could, you know, already attack her. So I kind of went into lockdown myself and it's just, if you're taking the precautions that you should be taking, there's a whole lot you're missing out on. Right. And uh, there's no way, there's no way that isn't going to be awful. So it, it's okay to acknowledge that and experience that. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's times where it's okay. And then there's times like this past weekend where it just, it's, it really got to me. And um, you know, you, you talk about how it's okay to experience those things. Like I was supposed to go out and run Saturday and I just, I sat in a chair and went, nah, there's no way there's no way. And I could have felt bad about it, but it's like, no, this was just one of those times I need to acknowledge that it just, it was just a shit day for me and I wasn't going to do it. And so, yeah, unlike the NPR, like podcasts where everything's, everything's great. It's like, no, it was a shitty day and I didn't run, but I ran today and I feel great. I went hard today and I feel great. So there's some good, there's some bad. Well, there's some good and there's some, awesome when it comes to this <laughs> this upcoming interview with and- with andreas sanchez so i think you're gonna enjoy it the whole thing but hold on till the end yes for sure yes yes, yes. Um, and <laughs> yeah uh yeah so here it is uh andreas sanchez you can find her on uh instagram at fairweather runner yep so make sure that you uh, you follow her. She is uh, she's run streaking still, I believe. Maybe not. I might be lying, but I should have asked her about that. But anyways, I didn't. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We don't pay for Zoom, so the interview almost got cut short. Um, <laughs> we got to start doing that. All right, here it is, Andrea Sanchez at Fairweather Runner. Andrea, welcome. You're coming to us from an undisclosed location between, what, two closets <laughs> and in front of a master bedroom door. Yes. The, the you... hidden closet nook. Yes, this is where I am tonight. So how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. That seems to be a pretty common response yeah. these days. I'm doing okay. Yes, there's definitely some days that are more trying than others, but I feel for the, like for the most part... I mean, I've gotten as much of a routine as I'm going to at this point and Mm -hmm. just trying to wait it out, I suppose. (laughs) So, Like when you say routine, are you talking like personal perspective, like Um, work-wise? I think probably a little bit of everything. It was a big transition for me working from home and like managing kind of my time as a person who now is accessible 100% of the time. And, you know, it's hard to like shut down when you're working from home, you want to keep checking your email or like finish that thing that you started. And maybe I'll just open it up for five minutes. And, you know, I have little kids, it's just, it's a little, it was a little too hectic that way. I really had to get better about managing my time. Yeah, I had read an article about that one day that um, people were actually working longer hours working from home for that very reason. Everything was so accessible. Uh, you know, you weren't punching out at five. It was, oh, I can finish this up now. Uh, and so that's a lot of time donating. You make less money yeah. per hour when you do that. It's, it's uh, really strange. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was finding like, I would sit down in the morning to get started and it'd be like 11 o'clock and I would realize I never ate breakfast. Like I've had one cup of coffee. I haven't moved from the same spot all day. Um, you know, I was just having a really hard time managing like my life and my work, whereas I've never had that issue before. 
but it's better now. I mean, how many months? We're almost a year in. It's a little better now. <laughs> it feels like a decade. Yeah, that's for sure. So how has running been going for you during all of this? Well, I'm consistent. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, I'm, I'm pretty consistent. I do work with a coach. Um, and that helps me be accountable to me. I like lists, like checklists. That's just how I work. Um, so having a schedule each week of what I'm supposed to be doing has helped me to just kind of stay on track with my running. I do, it has, I have more time to run now because I'm working from home. So prior to COVID, I commuted about 45 minutes um, in the morning. And then on the way home, I, my commute was probably like an hour and 15 minutes because I had to stop and pick up kids all over the place. Right. Um, and then my husband works in college athletics. So that meant that I was getting home at like 5.30 and it was just me. So there's no other parent to help watch kids and I can't go run. So if I'm running, I'm at the gym, but the one gym that has childcare late at night or on my treadmill really late at night. So now I am able to kind of like squeeze in a lunch run or go before work, which I just, I couldn't manage any of that before. So it has been pretty consistent during this time. Run into one of your favorite podcast hosts on the towpath. <laughs> yes. That was such a treat that one day. I went out with uh, my buddy Drew and uh, I, we passed you when we were going out. And I was yeah, like- Yeah, and I was I, going I was like, north. I swear to God that's her. And I think you were wearing- yeah, I think you were wearing a CIM shirt even. And that was I like was. a dead giveaway. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, that's got to be her. But I, I you know, it's it's hard. It's tough. You don't want to, I don't want to be like, I understand how uncomfortable women can get in those environments, especially oh, when you're sure. by yourself. So it's just me and some dude on a bike. You know, I don't know what you're going to think. I don't know if you know who I am right there. I figured you might but yeah it was at least we got to run into you when we could stop and talk for a minute at that crosswalk yeah I mean had it been like late at night or early morning I probably wouldn't have said hi but, <laughs> no, but like middle of the morning yeah no I um yeah that was a lot of fun and it was such a nice day that day too that was beautiful you talked about running with a coach in, in like a pre-COVID life, which you consider yourself to be a really race-centric runner. Or was it just you wanted a coach for the consistency? I wanted a coach for the consistency. So I came back to running, um, it feels like 100 years ago, but I guess it was just the spring of 2019. So not okay. <laughs> really that long ago. No, that feels like um, 100 years ago. It does feel like 100. Everything was so different then. And I do, I really enjoy running races for the social aspect of it. Um, but I was not consistent training myself. Like I just wouldn't stick with a plan. I would let things kind of build up and be like, oh, well, I'm just busy this week. So I'll just get my long run in. And I know people say, you know, if you have to like, don't skip your long run. If you have to skip other runs, mm -hmm. skip them. But if you don't skip, it doesn't work that way when you're running a half marathon, you know, like you still are going to feel like crap if you've only run one, one long run a week right. for like 10 weeks, it's just not enough. So working with a coach for me was just helping me kind of like come back into running as a healthier runner, a stronger runner. Um, I mean, I'm pretty slow. I would consider myself like very, very average. Um, but, and I would like to be faster, but I've never stuck with it long enough 
to see any changes, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, the coaching does help keep me really like on track. And I do, I mean, she and I talk about races, like goals for the year and, and things like that. But, um, I mean, I coming back into running in 2019 and really only getting a handful of races under my belt before COVID, I don't know if I would definitely at this point, I'm not like a race centric runner. Okay. Holding out hope for something fun, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am. Uh, but so what, like what your goals for this year, like in a, um, you know, there's, I, we talked about it last week. I feel like there's almost more uncertainty this year than last year. Like last year we knew in April, it was going to be a pretty crappy year and, uh, everything kind of fell the way we all thought it would. Um, it, it came out of nowhere, but it, you know, happened the way we thought it would, but this year it's almost like, we, we see that light at the end of the tunnel, but we don't know what it looks like when we get there. We don't know how far we have to go. And so just from a running perspective, is it tough with the, I mean, there's still uncertainty. I mean, see, I, I, you're probably planning on CIM again in December, but I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like you hope. And I, I don't know, is that now you said you're not race centric, so it might not mess with you, but just as far as your goals go, is there, is it affecting that in any way? Um, it was hard to kind of plan what I wanted a goal to be like, even just one. Um, I came out of last year, pretty, pretty healthy. I didn't have, you know, injuries were really minimal. Like I ran a virtual race and my knee hurt for a couple of weeks afterward. And I went to PT for a month and then I felt a lot better, you know, it just very simple things that were easily resolved. So definitely a goal of mine is to come out of this year, healthy and stronger and, you know, not having, I, I really rely on my running for my mental health and trying to have an opportunity to get away from my kids. No, <laughs> so I really rely sense. on it. I can't, I'm not ready to give it up for any reason. <laughs> it's a way to get away from your kids without hiding between like a closet. And... <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so uh, shoot, there was something, gosh, I hate it when this happens to my brain. Oh my Lord. You, what was she, she was just talking about talking something about that, goals like, well I will say my other goal is I would really like to be able to run a 205 half marathon that has okay. eluded me all of last year um and the last half marathon I ran was in November and the weather was just miserable it was raining and then it was really muggy and then it was super windy so that wasn't ideal so I'm hoping to to bring that out this year and then so fingers you, crossed for CIM in December you mentioned your goal was to stay healthy mm-hmm. um, without giving away what your running coach can sell. Uh, what are some of the, uh, some of the things that you're focusing on to stay healthy? That's where I wanted to go with that. And I made a stupid joke and I lost my train <laughs> of thought, but uh, what are you, what are you looking to do to stay healthy? My big change for staying healthy has been really focusing on my nutrition um, because I have always been very petite. I'm not very tall. I was just really petite growing up and, um, and active. So I just kind of ate whatever my, I think my parents just didn't worry about as like, you know, like 
they wanted to make sure we were eating enough because my brother and I were kind of like scrawny kids. Mm -hmm. So I came out of my childhood just with terrible eating habits. And funny aside, like my son just got a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos the other night. And he was like, do you like these? And I was like, oh my God, I could eat an entire bag. (laughs) He's like, let's not talk about how much I love Doritos, guys. But just really like looking at my eating habits and making sure that I'm not under fueling because that's really what I had been doing for the last several years. Just not, definitely not enough like fruits and vegetables, not enough protein, not enough water. It, you know, it'd be like the day before race day and I'd be like, well, I should probably drink a little bit of water today. You know, <laughs> I'll open this can of LaCroix and that'll do it right like <laughs> for the race tomorrow. So just really changing my eating habits and just trying to be a healthier person in that aspect. I, I'm flashing back to when I was playing high school soccer uh, because my sister and I both played high school soccer at the same time. And we did six hours of practice a day, three hours in the morning, three hours at night. So, you know, you're teenagers, you're running for six hours a day, you're burning calories like crazy. My mom would take us to like Sam's club or Costco or whatever. And it was the same thing. Like she wanted to make sure we were just getting enough to eat. It wasn't necessarily good food. So it was like hot pockets and instant pizzas like, <laughs> freezer would be full at the beginning of August. And by the end of August, it was a barren wasteland. And like, we got enough to eat, but it was the same thing. I got to college and I was like, I'll just eat whatever I want. And then I actually started running and had no concept whatsoever of like how much fruit and vegetables I should have. Yeah. Protein do you need fueling with carbs? So I completely identify with that. Yeah. And cheese really helped me in that area. And then like, how much easier it would have been for me if I developed healthy, healthy eating habits before I had kids, because now it's like, okay, I want to plan, you know, five breakfasts and five lunches. And then I have to feed the rest of the people that live here. So what are we going to eat for dinner? That's going to feed five people. And what are we going to, you know, am I going to make a breakfast that everybody wants? And then Wednesday, I have no more left, you know, like those (laughs) kinds of things which happens all the time. That is the worst part about kids. Like you get something you like and you're like, I bought enough for me. My son will do it with like, I I think I bought two things of blackberries one day. And uh, (laughs) he asks me, he's like, Hey dad, can I have some blackberries? I was like, yeah, sure. I guess he's like, and so I went in and I decided to get them for him. This little dude had already eaten half of one of the little boxes of blackberries. I was like, dude, you can eat them, but now I buy enough for both of us and he never eats them. So right. I'm just wasting money. But ah, oh, man, yeah. When kids- it's like you never know what they're going to latch onto that week. Right. So you're like, oh, they love this. So I'm going to make a bunch of it. And then they're like, I don't like that anymore. So it's just like trying to manage my own healthy eating and making sure that I'm like, meal prepping. So that's become like a big thing for me on the weekends, which I'm really just starting to get slightly good at. I don't even want to use the word good because that'll mess it all up. Like (laughs) I've been successful with it like the last three weeks. (laughs) What do you have, Adam? What do I have? Um, As she drinks her LaCroix. As she drinks her LaCroix. Um, Yeah. So funny, funny COVID story. I will tell you about my LaCroix. Okay. So I love seltzer water. Okay. This is like, um, I will like, if I'm not drinking and we're at a bar, like I will be like, can you just put some of the soda water in a cup with some ice? Like, I just like the seltzer. It's the fizz. 
So my son, we call him fizzy water. And I asked him, I was teaching. I said, can you get me a fizzy water before my class starts? Like, I have to log in right here in just a second. He's like, sure. So he, and he's eight. He's very sweet. He comes over. He's like, I got you your fizzy water. And it was a white cloth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was just like, that is so sweet of you. I'm like, you know what, though? I'm going to go ahead and save it until my class is over. And he was like, yeah, you don't want to have to get up and go potty while you're teaching. I'm like, that's exactly what it is. Put this out of camera shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to set this over here so no one sees it. So I used to drink when I was probably like early 20s. I would drink like a 12-pack of Coke. A, not a day, but probably every oh. two days. Oh, I know. It was oh. I mean, oh, it was so bad. Um, but I love these, you know, no sugar, no calories, sparkling waters because they, they're not water. When I want something that isn't water, mm -hmm. I can go to that and it's not got all that crap in it. And it really grosses me out. I also will buy some of the cane sugar sodas that you can get like at some of the natural stores. And they're clear still, even like the colas and stuff. And I'm like, so it just makes me wonder what type of crap is all in all those dark colas. It just makes me feel gross thinking about it. Yeah. No, yes, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the seltzer. I, I, I was never a big pop guy and I'm not really big into seltzer water. So let me ask you both. Like, is it, is it the sensation? Is it the tingling of sensation that does it for you guys? I think for me, it's, yeah, it's the fizzy, like, it's the texture, yeah, so the, okay. the fizzy sensation. I don't drink, I haven't drank soda in, so I say soda, I'm not from Ohio. It's okay. I, <laughs> um, I have, I don't think I've had any soda in, like, a few years, but I just really like the fizz, and sometimes yeah. if my husband has one, like, I'll just take a sip just because I want, like, the fizz. But it's they're too sweet for me now. I've just gotten okay. It's just that it's not water for me. It's just a little different. That's all it is. Yeah. It, okay. It's different enough. It a is an acquired flavor. taste. Mm -hmm. A but little flavor, like when you need something different. I, I can't even drink regular. I can occasionally do like a Sprite, but like dark colas, especially. Uh, uh no, nasty. They, I just get nauseous even thinking about it anymore. Oh, I was I was curious because um, nerd alert, I was I was reading a book on habits. And in one of the chapters, they were talking about um, they were talking about when Pepsodent became a, a big thing about 100 years ago with toothpaste and how there were actually a lot of toothpaste out before them that nobody used because people just didn't really see the need for it. And what Pepsodent did was they actually put like the mint flavor that's in toothpaste. And what people found that they craved was the, the tingling sensation. And that's how toothbrushing became like an actual nationwide phenomenon was because that tingling sensation got people to crave that, I guess that sensation when they brush their teeth. And um, yeah, so not, you guys mentioned like that tingling sensation. I just wonder if that was, was the reason because I just read this like a week ago. That makes sense. Thank and because people them. say like, oh, they don't feel clean unless it's, you know, minty yeah. or it doesn't feel, yeah. Right. 
So yeah, I'm sorry, nerd alert. I, I guess it's good though that you know eventually that was done, so we all want to actually brush our teeth. I think modern society is very grateful for that. <laughs> all right, so we have a few more minutes here. I want to ask you. This is maybe the okay. Well, I want to bring up one funny story, then I'm going to ask you maybe the um, more poignant of the questions. I'm going to let Adam bust your husband's chops here for a second. So I owe you a couple masks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for like six months and i just never sent them to you um because i'm a terrible person good but, news we still need them okay cool yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know that that's good news but yes i will send them out i promise you i will i'll do it this i shouldn't promise what i can't <laughs> guarantee um but uh one of them is like the purple and teal the other one's a scarlet and gray one you you told and <laughs> I, I, you had said, I told you that you could give it to your husband and he won't wear it because it's scarlet and gray and he hates, hates Ohio state. Um, he is a fan of Miami, the Miami hurricanes, and he oh, still yeah. holds a grudge from 2003. Yes. <laughs> it was a good call. <laughs> It never should have gone to overtime because Chris Correct. Campbell caught it. But the this was one of my favorite parts of this whole conversation, though, um, was I told you I was going to send you these masks. And you said um, my son asked for one for Christmas. And I said an RBR mask. And you said, haha, not exactly, but maybe that's oh what we'll God. give him. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, if you let your kids listen to RBR, we need to do an episode on proper parenting. <laughs> and then you said the very first episode of your guys that I listened to, my kid was in the car. I made it like five minutes in and was like, um, let's listen to something else. <laughs> yes. We're sorry. And that was before you guys would put the, the little E on the <laughs> podcast. So that's much more helpful now. Like, I was like, oh, this will be fine, right? It's a running podcast. And then I'm like, this, wait, what? No, we're going to just turn the radio off while we're going to school. Do you, <laughs> remember, do you remember what the, like, I, I want context. Like, I'd love it if you could I, remember. I don't. I feel like. I, I'm pretty certain there was like an F-bomb dropped. I don't remember the context because immediately I was like, oh, and then he was like, oh, we don't use that word. And I'm like, yeah. What? <laughs> I'm just happy to be, I'm happy to have us described as a running podcast. I feel like we've been anything but for nine months. Well, this uh, was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to us since we did the Cleveland stuff with Thomas, right? He was an early adopter. Um, I think I started listening at the beginning of, no, I started listening like mid-2019. So I was like, okay. the, it was the beginning of the school year because we were in the car driving to school is okay. what I remember. And it was like 7.20 in the morning in like broad daylight. So it must have been like August or September. It was still Got early it. on. Okay. But yeah, he's very like... Like I said, he's, he's very sweet, but I am a kindergarten teacher. Okay. So I am very well trained to not swear in front of my kids. And I have a mouth <laughs> like a sailor, but I'm just really good at not doing it in front of my kids. Um, and he's told me like, it, it'll be okay. Like if I'm 16, you can say bad words in front of me if you want. I it's okay. Then I'm like, okay, you know, daddy says them like, what am I, like why is it a double standard here? <laughs> You know, we, but, we just, we teach Hayes when and where it's okay. That's well, kind of, and I said, like, if you need to say it in your head, like, 
I can't control your thoughts. And sometimes things need a curse word to go along with it, you know. But I always say, like, you're a child and those are adult words. And when you are older and you decide to use them, that's up to you. And that's okay because mommy's going to use them as well. I'm just so you can't like, wait for I, him to grow up. No, exactly. So, I mean, he's, he's very conscientious about it, though. Oh, I know you don't like to hear this word, mom. Go ahead and let's change the song. <laughs> Actually, I do like to hear this word. This is one of my favorite songs, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have a way to get any of my music to be edited. So we just, the stuff that I listen to with them, it's just like, yeah. That it's okay to, in music and movies and there's a, there's a context for it. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up, my dad's a pastor. I couldn't ever say, use the language I do. So I figure I'm going to go the opposite way of my parents and just not shelter them at all because we see how I turned out. So I was the same way. That's how I grew up too. Like we just never, I mean, I think I heard my mom say, damn, like one time my entire life. And we, my brother and I were both like, oh, she is really mad. Like we're going to get So, so final question. And I, we can go on for this for a minute, but um, looking over the last year, uh, 2020 into 2021. And, you know, we talked about looking forward a little bit, but just as you look back on what the last crazy year was, I kind of want to know, like, what's something positive or is there anything positive that you can take out of that? Because I think we've all had a chance to kind of simplify. Um, I know there's been, you know, there's a lot of death, joblessness and stuff like that, that we can't look at, at as positive, but just in your own personal life, is there anything you're going to look back on and be appreciative for the last 12 months and however much longer this goes on? Um, I, you know, I was just talking about this with my brother the other day and my dad and my brother live in California. So I have not seen them um, since February of last year. My dad was out here last February and I was like, you know, I'm just really grateful that no one in our family has been, my brother had COVID really early on, but he was okay. He came out okay. Um, my dad is healthy. My mother-in-law is healthy. Um, we're all, we've all been healthy. Like we still have our jobs here. So like, I just kind of feel like the little things that I didn't really think about before, like, I'm just grateful to still be working. And truthfully, as a teacher, especially of little kids, I really enjoy that time. Like to teach kindergarten, you got to really like five-year-olds. Okay. <laughs> Cause they're crazy in a very special kind of way, but they're yeah. crazy. But I do really enjoy that time with my own kids, like that age from like two to like six. It's just my favorite. And I felt like working full time and commuting as much as I do that I miss out a lot on being at, not necessarily at home, but just kind of having that time. Like we're leaving so early, we're home so late, boom, it's time for bed, you know, daily grind. And kind of having that time with my littler boys has been really nice to see them change. Like my two-year-old was, he was just two when this started and he was hardly talking. And now it's like nonstop, you know, it's like a completely different person. And I really appreciated having that time to spend with them. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was days I was like ready to send them away, but, but it's, I wouldn't have gotten this time otherwise. You know, I'm, I'm able to work from home. I'm teaching virtually this year. 
Um, I'm able to be at home and be with my kids. Um, and it's just, that's all been really positive for us. I mean, it's been hard. Like I still have a sitter. She was the same sitter that I had before. So they don't go to daycare. They go to a friend of mine and um, she has MS. So we have to be really careful about what we're doing because we don't want to expose her to anything. Um, and she still watches my boys, my little boys a couple days a week, which helps. But then it's like, you know, it's still crazy. Like my eight-year-old's trying to virtual school over here. And the days the little ones are home, everyone's like yelling in the background and the first week of school, somebody ran by in their underwear. I mean, it's like, it's, I'm not above it. You know, when parents are like, I'm sorry, it's crazy here. I'm like, I'm not better than anyone. Like, it's crazy here too. I get it. Right. But having that time, I wouldn't have had it otherwise. So I am grateful for that. Oh my gosh. I have to go back through our Instagram messages because I feel like there was another really funny story that you had shared of one of your kids on the virtual my kids learning. Are crazy. And, oh, and, and my students are crazy too. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very interesting. I just, oh my gosh, I have to find this. Um, I don't know that I'm going to, but I'm fairly certain it had something to do. See, I, I follow multiple teachers, so I don't want to like get it wrong. Right. But I feel like there was a story that you had shared where perhaps the male anatomy, like the word came into play. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was my four-year-old. <laughs> and he was yelling about penises. And the funny thing is like, if you know, if you ever met him, he is very reserved around people he doesn't know. Um, he's very conscientious. He's a completely different child than my older son. Um, but he was, I don't think it was early on. And I don't think he realized they could hear him. And I was luckily at the end of my meet. So I got off and I <laughs> called him over. We call him Shushi. That's not his name, but I was just like, Shushi O'Connell, every single kid on that meet heard you say penis and his face went white. And he was just like, I, he just, it clicked that they can hear him. And I'm like, that is their classroom. And they are hearing you say these words. Do you think their parents want to, you know, want them to hear this? And he just was mortified, like crying. And he was like, I didn't know they could hear me. He was so embarrassed. Was he but just yelling a, it or was there like a story? I have three boys. Someone is true. always yelling it. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Someone is always yelling it. Always. Oh. Always. I just posted on Facebook to another one that I was recording a lesson and my eight-year-old walked in and was like, mom, I need your help. This thing is hurting my nuts. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a five minute lesson I want to record that takes me half an hour because someone is constantly hollering in the background. So I want to tell you <laughs> It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I, I want to tell you that goes away when they get older, but I'm thinking I, about I, my family I, holidays and no, I mean, it's basically like a game in my family to see who's going to say something inappropriate first during one of the holidays. And it's, it's always my brother. It's always my younger brother and it's always male anatomy, something. And it yep. just goes from there. I feel like that's kind of what I'm anticipating. So I just have one brother and you know, that's a different relationship, obviously, because I'm his big sister. But when he and my husband are together, I cannot stand either one of them. I just hate <laughs> them. They are the most annoying people to me. 
it's miserable. And I, I finally realized like maybe a year or two ago, I thought this is what it's going to be like having yeah. adult sons. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to hate all of you. You're all going to be so annoying. <laughs> okay. Here's the key though. And I'm going to leave you this and then we're going to, we're going to end this. But uh, my, my brother and I were the same way. My mom, you know, I told you I grew up, my dad's a pastor. And so I grew up a pastor's kid. We, we always just try to get a rise out of my mom and be inappropriate around her just to like push the envelope and, um, take it as far as we can. And then we'll always turn it around and be like, you're, you're the gross one thinking we meant it this way. Um, but, uh, yeah, just don't let it get to you or go along with it. And then it's just, it won't be funny to them. Anymore. I'm, I'm pretty good about being like straight faced about it. Like, okay, tell me what's hurting your nuts. Or like, okay, like you're not a squirrel. Don't say nuts. Like you don't have nuts. You're not a squirrel. That's always what I say. And I'm like, use a different word, find something. You know, I'm, I try to be like, just really even about it. Cause I don't want to encourage it more. But with three of them, it's like one oh, says yeah. it. And then my two-year-old will be like, mom, she, she said penis. And I'm like, I heard him. And then my eight-year-old's laughing because the two-year-old said it. And then my husband's like, who's yelling penis over here? I'm on a meet. You know, like we're all, it, it is like, it is, it's, all, it's so crazy here. And I'm <laughs> trying, like, I, I just go and hide in my closet. There you go. <laughs> That's, the panic That's all room. I can do. They're pretty good when I'm with my students. I will say they're pretty good when I'm with my students. They know when, like, it's only, they're pretty short meets. I'm not on for an extended period. Um, so they can manage like 20 minutes, they, but that's about the limit. They go 20 <laughs> minutes without talking about penises. Without saying great. something inappropriate. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us again. And we, we hope your 2021 is um, amazing and that you get to run CIM at the end of the year. Yeah. Me yeah. too. I really, I hope so too. I was hoping last year to do some fundraising with it, but then it's, I'd like to do that. So my, my mom's birthday is right around the time of CIM. Um, and my mom passed away three days after her birthday. So it's kind of like a big time for our family. And I just really felt like I want to honor her memory um, by doing some fundraising but I need the race to go on in order to do that. Right. <laughs> so, so fingers well, crossed. Hopefully it goes on. And if we can help you fundraise in any way, we don't post anything to our social media, except for when we um, publish episodes. So we can, we can, we can give you the rest of the week one time and you can just <laughs> post all you want. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, Adam, I will talk to you next week. And uh, I'm sure I'll, I'm going to get these masks to you, I promise. At, at <laughs> Before the pandemic's over. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but to everybody at home, stay safe, stay clean. Did I say anything else anymore? I tried to shorten it up. Uh, I don't think so. Stay inside. Uh, stay inside, yes. Uh, and enjoy your miles.